True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Welcome back into Fantasy Baseball Today, part two of our live 12-team Roto Mock Draft, and we are into round 13, where Luis Arise was the first pick. Followed by Pete Fairbanks. Cool, 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 cool. Definitely was not thinking about taking <laughs> Pete Fairbanks myself. Uh, I do not have a closer yet, and my top four pitchers are Framber Valdez, Jesus Lazardo, Zach Eflin, Bailey Ober. It's not typically how I build it. In terms I think it's of the pretty pit, good. I, I I got three of my top thirty. These are just not the three of my top thirty I usually wind up getting. I, I think it's fine. Uh, obviously, no, again, I, happy I to get Bailey Ober. So you might be a little light light on strikeouts. Might That's be. the only thing. But I, I think it's a good balance of ratio, guys, for sure. After Luis Arise, P. Fairbanks, Bryce Miller, and here we are in round 13. Kind of regret taking Will Smith because there are catchers here that I like. There's a reliever drop-off looming, too. There is a reliever drop-off looming. Um, I'm I thinking think we're at the reliever drop-off, Hellsley's still there. I think Craig that's Gimbrel's the one, there. one left. Their great one left. Tanner <sighs> Scott. I don't love uh, it. I'm going to just go ahead and I need a third outfielder. I'm going to go ahead and take Ian Happ. Not sexy by any means. He's just going to kind of chip in multiple things. (laughs) Yeah, he is a good looking guy. Uh, 20 homers, 10 steals, solid counting stats. He's going to hit around 250. Again, he's kind of like a high floor pick. He's not going to blow you away in any categories. I needed a third outfielder. So he's kind of the cutoff for me where I like to have three outfielders by this point in the draft. Maybe I'll regret it. See who comes back to me in terms of the closers. Uh, but yeah, I did want to grab Ian Happ. And Scott, you are up in round 13. After you make your pick, we can run through your team and see what it looks like. Okay. I think I'm go- I think Chris gave me the idea to go ahead and take Dansby Swanson here as my middle infielder because he's going to give me runs in RBI, healthy home run total, a useful steals total not that i really need them but it'll, you it'll need be steals you gotta compete deals. um and you know just just less risky than like nolan gorman and brandon Lau. some some value picks that i like at middle infield but i don't know swanson's lasted too long and i feel like there are a lot of pitchers out there i like still so i didn't i don't feel the need to add to that group so much Felt like I needed another bat more. 
my outfield. I already got four of them, so I don't have to settle for like an Ian Happ type, which is great. Whoa, yeah, whoa, shots fired. Well, you, listen, you didn't you didn't sound thrilled about the pick yourself. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so I don't have to settle for the Ian Happs. <laughs> I, look, I would say I think Ian Happ and Swanson, they're probably going to provide very similar skills. Yeah, very, very similar production, yeah. Yeah, so take that, Scott. Uh, Swanson does it more reliably than Happ. Ah. Happ did it last year. I'll give you that. Two years in a row, he's been solid. Anyway, I was going to prop up your Swanson pick before you made fun of my pick, but uh, Swanson's ADP on Fantasy Pros, 124.4, so you got him about two rounds past his ADP. I do think that is a good value at ah, this point. shoot. Uh-oh. All right, both Mitch Keller and Merrill Kelly went since that pick. I was hoping to get one of them the next time around. Gosh! Ah, nobody's cooperating. No, they are not, because I wanted Eloy Jimenez later in this draft, and he <laughs> went as well. This is not a good round. Anyway, let's catch people up. I took Ian Happ, Scott took Swanson, Mitch Keller, Eloy Jimenez, Christian Encarnacion Strand, Merrill Kelly, Evan Phillips, and Chris, you took Jaron Duran. So there is some risk. I understand he's coming back from the toe mm-hmm. surgery. They de- delayed his start to camp. It does add a little bit of an element of risk. But, man, if he's hitting leadoff and everything kind of works out, 15-plus homers, 30 steals, I, I could see it for Jaron Duran. His numbers out of the leadoff spot, it was only 36 games. They were pretty bonkers. He hit like 290. I'm not expecting that, but I think it was like 25 runs in 36 games. It was like a 20 homer, 50 steal pace. It's for a guy who had playing time concerns last season, that would be pretty huge if he actually got to bat leadoff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and it sounds like that will be the case. I I believe earlier in camp, uh, Alex Cora didn't, specify that would happen, but he kind of hinted at it, that he wants Jaron Duran to be the leadoff hitter for the Red Sox. Uh, at the turn, it was Jordan Montgomery and Reese Hoskins, and then <sighs> Chris, you took Brian Hayes, Wilson I Contreras. wanted Reese Hoskins. Yeah. Uh, th- some good hitter values at this point, too, mm-hmm. because again, like, I took Will Smith around pick 90. Wilson Contreras just went at pick 159. I like Will Smith, I like Wilson Contreras at pick 159 a lot better. Yeah. So, then, then what? Pick 90? Around 90. I think pick? 90 or 95, something like that. So I don't know. I think I think Will Smith's run in RBI production is going to be. It should be a, a higher order of magnitude. I think he did fine. I think he did well. Thanks. You should Scott. be pleased. Uh, yeah. He's trying to make up for it for, for making fun of my Ian Hat pick. I appreciate I, that. I am just an honest <laughs> analyst. I have no bias. Or or against you, Frank. If uh, anything, it's for you, though. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, after Wilson Contreras, Chaz Ugh. McCormick, Christian Javier, and Kodai Senga, 162nd overall. The face. If I hadn't taken Verlander <laughs> the previous round, I would have taken Senga there. Yeah, I was going to take Senga, too, because Mitch Keller and Merrill Kelly already <laughs> went since my last pick. So it's like it was, it was one of those turns as it, since I took uh, who was it? I took Dansby Swanson with my last pick because it's like, oh, there's all these starting pitchers I like. Oh, there's all these slugging first basemen I like Hoskins and Christian and <laughs> Carnacion Strand. I can let the back half of the draft narrow down that group for me. So that I don't have to uh, feel like I'm reaching for one, but it didn't happen. They just took all of them. They just took they just took the whole group of players I was considering, and now I could take a middle infielder I like because they didn't take those. Bunch of jerks. I love Scott on tilt. That's great. Uh, all right. So after Kodai Singa, Tyro Estrada goes, and, and Scott, you're up. Well, um. I don't love taking catchers, even in a two-catcher league. I'm, I'm fine scraping the bottom of the barrel. But because uh, everybody took all the players I was interested in at all the other positions that I uh, could, could still stand to fill out, I'm going to take a catcher. I'm going to take Cal Raleigh, who plays so much that he gives you a bigger RBI and run total than the average catcher and very likely to lead the position in home runs, which I could use more of than stolen bases. Not that I think I have a home run problem, really, but I definitely don't have a stolen base problem. So if I'm I'm leaning one way or the other, it's it's for home runs. So Cal Raleigh at 164, that's the pick. All right. Well, I am debating taking my second catcher, 
Ugh, do I want to do that? I don't, hmm. I'm looking at my team. I need corner. I need outfielders. I only have four starting I mean, pitchers. You have Ian Happ. <laughs> don't forget. I hope Ian Happ's going to have a monster year. You guys watch. Uh, I think I need some pop. So what I want to do, and this is kind of unconventional, but I'm going to go ahead and take Nolan Gorman. He's someone I like a lot. <sighs> it's going to fill my utility spot a little bit earlier, but I, I need some pop. He's one of the last guys I see available that's going to maybe give 30-plus home runs. So we talked about him on the second base preview. I wrote him up in Breakouts 2.0. He technically broke out already last year. He's just not really being treated that way. So... <laughs> I'm absolutely adding him to my breakouts 2.0, which I think comes out next week. And uh, yeah, I I was literally in the process of dragging him into my queue <laughs> as and then he just disappeared. Well, that <laughs> makes me feel better about the pick. So let's go. Uh, all the StatCast data, by the way, everything supports that Nolan mm -hmm. Gorman is a legitimate slugger. And really good against lefties. Yeah, he was good against lefties last year. It's a really small sample. I think it was 86 plate appearances. So mm -hmm. um, he's got to do it again. But I also don't think the Cardinals have that luxury of a bunch of great bench bats that they could afford to to bench Nolan Gorman against lefty. So I think he's going to play every day, which obviously should help with the counting stats. After Gorman goes, one of the players I love, Brian, woo, goes off the board here, round 14 at pick 166, followed by Lars Newbar. Somebody I also I like. Maybe I don't love, but I liked him last year. I like him again. Don't forget about Lars Newbar. I think I need some pitching. That's that's what I'm looking at next. I, I don't know if it's going to be a starter, if it's going to be a closer. It's not going to be you, Darvish, because he just went. That's the end of round 14. Made a spring debut just the other day, and so far so good. I know it was only two two innings, but he had a couple strikeouts. Sounds he like got hit around a, a little bit, I think, but it was like five singles and two doubles or something. Darvish, um, I, I think he only gave up like two or three hits over two innings. Um, I remember, okay. But his price is definitely rising. He's one of the bigger risers since the, the start of February. Yeah. Just he's healthy is yeah. the biggest thing. I, I think similarly to Riley Green, Chris, with both of those guys, Darvish and Riley Green, and, and I said this when we did our position previews, I just wanted to see those guys healthy in yeah. camp, right? And now that people are starting to see that, I, I think we're starting to see them move up draft boards a little bit, and maybe rightfully so. We are kicking off round 15 here, and how about a reminder to sign up for the FBT newsletter? If you haven't already, cbssports.com slash newsletters. You click on that FBT logo, you punch in your email address, and it's as easy as that. It's free. Chris does a great job with it. If you are uh, watching us on YouTube, I was going to say scan the QR code. I don't have it up because the draft board is up instead. So don't do that. Go to cbssports.com slash newsletters. The first pick of round 15 is James Outman. A little power and speed. Lower batting average. Followed by Ryan Pepio. Ah. <laughs> uh, and then TJ Friedel, who I wrote up in Bus 1.0. His ADP is typically around 150. And we're 20 picks past that, about two rounds so, look, there be, there comes a point where every player is a quote-unquote yep. value, mm -hmm. and that might yep. be the case here with TJ Friedel as well. So, remember how we talked about Ryan Helsey like three rounds ago? <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and... There. I'm going to go ahead and take him that's, as... That's a phenomenal value. ...as my first closer. And you know what? He's not somebody that I like to target. I worry that he missed time with a forearm injury last mm -hmm. year. He throws so hard. His first spring outing, his fastball velocity was down three miles per hour. Everyone was losing their minds. Well, he pitched today on Wednesday, and the velocity was back up. He averaged 98 miles per hour on his fastball. Not exactly where it was last year, but I think what happened the other day is, okay, his first spring outing, and he's just slowly getting built up. Um, there's injury risk, there's no doubt, but if he stays healthy, Ryan Helsley could provide 90, 100 strikeouts, 25 to 30 saves. So uh, at this point... Pick 172, I think that's fine. And Scott, you are back up. Yeah, I think I might take a closer here, but I might not. I might I might take a bit of a rotation stabilizer here since, as you pointed out, there's some injury risk with my top four starters. I'm going to take Jose Barrios. I love it. High, high floor play uh, should still give me about 180 strikeouts, so it's not like he's a negative for that. ERA and WHIP are going to be middling, but 
at this stage of the draft, middling, uh, particularly if you have concerns that some of your pitchers aren't going to be available. I think I think middling is is perfectly acceptable, and just just kind of a stabilizing pick. Mm-hmm. After you took Jose Brios, Salvador Perez at pick one seventy four again. I, I think yeah. that is a great value. You called it, Chris. Earlier in this draft, catchers and relievers, those turned out to just be the values consistently throughout. So good good yep. for those who who took advantage. Uh, after Salvador Perez, Hunter Brown, Bo Naylor, Tommy Edmond, and Stephen Kwan. And I believe, well, Chris, you were back up. You are uh, no longer up because you I'm, took I'm, Shota Imanaga, who I was thinking about taking. So great. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to comment on the... Um, Stephen Kwan pick, but I, I have to research that a little bit. So go ahead, Chris. Do you want to you want to talk about oh, your pick, Chris? Yeah, I, I <laughs> look. There's there's definitely risk with Shota Imanaga. He's a extreme fly ball pitcher. His fly ball rate last season or his home run rate last season in Japan was like one point one per nine, which doesn't sound that bad. It's point seven is the average in Japan. So if you applied how much worse than average he was in home runs per nine to the major league average, he would have been like 1.5. It's a legitimate red flag in his game, but he also might be a Kodai Senga-esque source of strikeouts. You know, he, he might get to 190 and 160 innings. He's, he's got that kind of upside. So I think he's super talented. And with the, the floor that I've established, I was willing to take that risk. And this worked out perfectly. I was getting very anxious the like five picks before mine because I wanted these two guys. I got them. Ah, for <clears throat> the hashtag brand, baby. Byron Buxton at pick 182. Honestly, might be the best power hitter left. Or might have been the best power hitter left before I took him. Obviously, on a per game basis, I think him and Stanton are clearly the two best power hitters left. And I think Byron Buxton's a legitimate 30 home run threat, even if he only plays 110 games. He would have to play 110 games to do that, something he does not do uh, ever. But he's healthy right now. Well, <laughs> he is, and 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 that's good. Christopher Morrell, who went right after him. I was going to say. There's a case for him being the best power yeah. hitter left. Uh, so is Mitch Garver. Mitch Garver going right after Christopher Morrell. I was hoping Mitch Garver would come back to me the next time around. I, I did want to comment on a couple of picks that other people made. Steven, that Stephen mm-hmm. Kwan pick, I, I wondered if um, that was for Ryan McLaughlin. And I wondered how his, if, if he felt like he needed to make up ground in batting average. And his mm-hmm. first two picks were Aaron Judge and Matt Olson, two players who could give him a good batting average, but... It wouldn't be surprising to he- see them hit in the 260 range either. Yeah, probably so more I like average. That, I think that makes sense. And then at the end, R.J. White went with a pair of closers. Clay Holmes and Tanner Scott, of course, could value because all the closers have been good values. And uh, he already had Devin Williams. So he is taking advantage of the uh, of the discounts to just dominate the category, which I think at this point there's... You can't co- any reason you might have for taking a closer is probably justified. Yes, indeed. So after Christopher Morel and Mitch Garver, Eduardo Rodriguez, Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, there you go. Back to back Mets outfielders. And Scott, you are back on the clock. I will say this before I throw it to you. I think I messed up again. Oh. I I should have taken You're good e- at that. I should have taken Imanaga. I, I should have taken him, man. I needed strikeouts on my team, and then as soon as that I passed on him... That was the biggest him, concern when I added him to my queue, oh, was getting past you. And you know what? Look at the closers that are still here. I mean, look, Helsley mm-hmm. could turn out to be fine, but if I got Imanaga last round and then I got Kimbrel now as my first closer, that would have been won't fine. Get, you won't get Kimbrel now because I'm taking Kimbrel. All right, that makes me feel a little bit better, but... Oh, <laughs> gosh. I, I do like me some Imanaga, so... That's a great pick, Chris, and I'm, I'm a little sad that I didn't make it myself. As you mentioned with my pitching staff, I, I do think I need a little bit of strikeout upside. I've got Framber Valdez, Zach Eflin, Jesus Lazardo, Bailey Ober. I think ratio should be okay. Mm-hmm. I've been making a lot of picks lately on the behalf of Scott White. Okay, that's what I thought you were going to do. I, I need a little strikeout upside here, so I'm going to go ahead and oh. uh, take... Nicky P, baby. Yeah, I had just yeah. added him to my queue as well. Nick Pavetta. 
I he he was at the top of my queue after I took my second closer, Kimbrel. Uh, based on the build, I didn't have to prioritize Pavetta as high because I had a lot of strikeout pitchers already. But I, I would have taken another. I would have taken another if he lasted one more round. And I was scared you were going to take him, Scott. <laughs> Thank you for taking Craig Kimbrell. That made me uh, that made me feel a little bit better. So works out. Get some strikeouts and on the pitching staff there. And uh, right after that, Jared Kelnick at pick one ninety, who will be an everyday player for the Braves this year. They confirmed that. Not looking at a platoon. He's he's just got free reign. Let it go. So hopefully the Braves can help Kelnick it and forget it. Yeah, hopefully uh, they help Kelnick figure it out the way that they have with some of their other hitters. I I wanted to talk about this earlier, but there was just so much going on. Michael Harris, this is another one of my spring overreactions. So far, the guy looks awesome. And there was already a lot that I liked about him. We spoke about that Mm -hmm. on our outfield preview. He improved in all the ways we wanted to see last year against lefties, lowered the ground ball rate, improved the plate discipline. Hits the ball hard. He's fast. He's in a great lineup. Now it looks like he's going to bat sixth. I know you just wrote your all uh, FOMO team, Chris. Mm -hmm. Michael Harris is on my all FOMO team right now because I don't have any of them, and that needs to change in the month month of March. Yeah, I mean, he played primarily ninth. He batted primarily ninth last year, and if you just... uh, A useful way to think about it is every lineup spot is usually worth around... 18 to 20 played appearances over the course of the season. And that may not sound like much, but the move from ninth to sixth, that might represent like a 10% increase in his production across the board. Just in, in terms of playing time, let alone more guys on base, better hitters behind, or I guess not better, but better hitters behind him, but certainly get more opportunities for RBI. And so if you think he's a 75, 75 guy, all of a sudden he's probably an 82 to 85 RBI and run guy. And he probably steals a couple extra bases. And probably, so it, it really a 10% increase across the board and counting stats that would legitimately matter. Mm-hmm. After Jared Kelnick, Jamer Candelario, I think another great pick at great this pick. point at the turn, doc Eisenhower took Charlie Morton and Kerry Carpenter, I just wrote him up in Breakouts 2.0. Yeah, I know he's been I dealing... Cute. I queued him up as my fifth outfielder. I, I think he's dealing with a hamstring right now, but he's been progressing. I, I think he's going to get into games soon. So there's hamstring, no... Hamstring, <laughs> Yeah, you don't need those things. And then after that, Kyle Harrison, who is starting to grow on me a little bit as well. Uh, and Nate Lowe. I am on the clock. I have three outfielders. What else do I need? I need a second catcher at some point. Corner. I think I'm going to do something that Chris is not going to like. Mm. I think. Interesting. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, On the edge of my seat. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Tyler O'Neill as my fourth outfielder. He gives me a little power and speed, assuming that he can stay healthy. Love the move to the Boston Red Sox, entering a contract year. Fenway just seems like. Taylor made for Tyler O'Neill. So uh, obviously need him to stay on the field, but if he does, I think we can get 25 homers, 10 plus steals. Kind of fits with what my team needed as well. So happy to get him. And Scott, you are up in round 17. So I have a few options I'm considering here. Starting pitchers. I only I only have two pitcher spots. So uh, I'm, I'm inclined to wait there. By ADP, this guy has fallen a lot. It's a corner infielder. And I'm looking at how many teams still need corner infielders. And I'm looking at the corner infielders left. And that's feeling like a scarcity right now. So I'm going to go ahead and take Alec Bohm, who should be a nice source of batting average and RBI at this point in the draft without being a bad source in home runs and runs. Um, And I think part of the reason that corner infield scarcity has emerged just because guys like Nate Lowe and, and, um, Oh, Jamer Candelario. I think you took Cabrian Hayes recently, Chris, or was that a few rounds ago? Mm-hmm. Yep. A few rounds ago. It was the last turn, I believe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I would have preferred Hayes to Bohm. Bohm feels more like a floor pick, but I don't, I don't like it. There's like one other corner infielder who I think I'd be satisfied slotting into my starting spot there, and I didn't <laughs> want to miss out. 
No name dropping. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am one of those teams that needs a corner infielder. <laughs> There's a lot who do. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. After you took Alec Bohm, which I think is another uh, great pick at this point, he, I believe, made his spring debut on Wednesday, had two hits, including a home run. So off and running is Alec Bohm. After he went, Willie Adamas, Nathan Avaldi, Jack Sawinski. Interesting. Masataka Yoshida, I, I think, is a pretty good value at this point. Gives you a good batting average and solid counting stats in the middle of that lineup. Chris, you're on deck. Any thoughts? Any ideas? I'm trying to figure out whether it's time to take another reliever or not. And that's the the thing that I'm really working through right now. Two or do you have one? I only have one right now. I have uh, Camilla Duvall. So uh, I still have four pitcher spots left to fill. We've got, I think, seven rounds left. So I'm going to pull the trigger on a guy that nobody seems to want, but I don't really have that many concerns about him. I'm going to take Kenley Jansen, who he's been, as far as I can tell, he's mostly just been throwing off flat ground as he comes back from that lat injury. I don't think Kenley Jansen really needs a lot of time to get ready for the season, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, he's still been a really good closer trade rumors. I don't really worry about it. Cause I can't imagine Kenley Jansen's getting traded somewhere where he's not the closer. So I, I think that's a great value. Obviously every closer has been a great value in this draft. You know what I've thought about Chris, and this is just pure speculation on my part. I haven't seen it anywhere. Wouldn't a Dodgers reunion make some sense? Yeah, I think that's been, I don't think it's been rumored, but I've definitely seen it suggested that that would make sense if they want to. I mean, I think they just dumped a decent amount of money with Manny Margot's contract. So, yeah, they might. Yeah, maybe they might be gearing up. That is a place where if Kenley went there, though, I I know he has the history. Evan Phillips has been really good. I, I don't know if he would be the closer. I. Maybe this is. Not accurate, but. Kenley Jansen has never not been a closer. Basically, since he became one, I don't think there's been like a three week stretch in Kenley Jansen's career since he became the closer where he wasn't. So that's the one where I just I have a hard time seeing him putting on a good face as a non closer, I guess. All right, let's hit a quick break. And when we return, we'll catch you up on the end of round 17. And Chris's latest pick we will do that right after this. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Welcome back in Fantasy Baseball today, our live 12-team Roto Mock Draft, and we are into round 18. We left off, Chris took Kenley Jansen. Now this is fun, RJ last turn, double-tapped closer, and then this turn... He double-tapped catcher. So to get his two starting catchers at the 17-18 turn and them being Logan O'Hoppy and Gabriel Moreno, that feels pretty good. I kind of like that for him. After that, Chris, you took Nestor Cortez, Brandon Fott, Kyle Bradish. So a little bit of a pitcher run here. And 
Uh, Nestor Cortez made his spring debut just the other day. Uh, he gave up some hits. I think he gave up a couple runs. But what was encouraging, Chris, was that the the velocity was back up coming off the shoulder injury. I, I think it's encouraging to see that for Nestor Cortez. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy where velocity is not the huge concern that it would be because he's already a fairly soft tosser. And I think he's more about the deceptiveness of the pitch and the arm angle that he throws it from. So, you know, you want to see him get through spring healthy and make sure that his mechanics are okay. But he was so good basically for two and a half years before he got hurt that I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be good as long as he's healthy. Obviously, there are significant concerns, but just on a pure talent level, I, I think it's a an obvious discount here. It's just, can he stay healthy is the big question. Yeah, and that is definitely a fair concern coming back from a shoulder injury. Obviously, no joke there for starting pitchers. After Kyle Bradish, Edward Julian, Tristan McKenzie, and another, I think, pretty good catcher value, Cabert Ruiz at pick 211. Scott, you are up. Mm-hmm. What are we thinking? Well, there are two. I, I've said before, there are 17 catchers that I feel like I would be satisfied with as my starter in a one catcher league. We are down to two of those in a two catcher league. I already have one catcher, Cal Raleigh. I'm going to go ahead and take a second here in Jonah Heim, mm-hmm. who I think I was down on him early in draft prep season because he, he overperformed his expected. The, the stack has page isn't that impressive, but he plays every day in a top five lineup. And even with the amount of time he missed to injury last year, he had 95 RBI. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's going to have 95 RBI again. That's a, that's a tall order. But if he gets 80, he's so far ahead of the catcher pack in RBI. And I think it's highly plausible in that lineup. Um, I've, I've come around to, to Jonah Heim. Not that he's a, not that he's a top end catcher, but, I I find that I'm preferring him to, um, I don't know, to like Logan O'Hoppy when I didn't, that wasn't so much the case at the start of draft prep season. I just think there's a higher floor there with Heim. And you helped make my pick, Scott, because I was debating between a few different positions, and I, I agree. I think after Jonah Heim, there was one left, in my opinion, Luis Campusano, before we kind of see yep. that that teardrop. So uh, I went ahead and took Campusano. I noticed a couple of teams uh, after me here at the beginning of the draft did not have a second catcher yet. So I wanted to uh, get Luis Campusano. That's exactly what I did. The only thing I'll say about him is I saw a few clips of him in spring already. He's got this weird batting stance thing going on. I don't know. I, I've got to look oh, at clips yeah. from last he, year. He like He's hold, got this Tony Bautista wide open. I, if I'm aging myself there, but so yeah. weird. Oh gosh. It was kind of weird. He's, he's so he basically stands straight onto the pitcher. He's like mm-hmm. holding the bat up in front of his face, like uh uh I don't know, like the way Idris Elba's character in Thor holds that sword, you know? <laughs> and um and then he you know, turns in as the pitcher comes into the plate, exactly like Tony Bautista. I did look at his stance last year. It might be slightly more exaggerated this year, but it was basically the same stance last year. And obviously he performed well. He was a great hitter throughout his minor league career. So I don't know that that's a red flag, but it is interesting for Luis Campusano. Mm-hmm. So something to watch, uh, I guess, and hopefully it doesn't get any worse <laughs> than it is right now. After Luis Campusano, Mason Miller, who were hoping is the A's closer or one Although of them. Although I did see a quote that kind of put some cold water on that, at least right away. Um, it was more like we want him ready for two to three innings. We're not just going to throw him in the closers role right away. Mm-hmm. God, Unfortunately, I still think he's a fine pick, but more probably for a bench spot or a 15 team league. That was not a great turn. <laughs> so we have the same players queued up. Oh gosh. I do not have a second closer and uh yeah. I passed on a few of them because Well that's I, what happens when you let Adbert Alzale go like 
80 picks past his ADP. You had a lot of chances to draft. <laughs> you had so yeah, many I chances. I did. But I don't think you can't complain about it. No, uh, it, it is my just... fault. I, I messed up again. That seems to be a theme of today's uh, today's mock draft. You suck again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let me think about what I want to do. Uh, can one of you guys talk about all the, the picks that just went? Well, I well J.D. Martinez out. was the other one I was groaning mm-hmm. about because we had that debate a couple rounds ago. Ah, is Byron Buxton the less power, best power hitter left? Or Scott, maybe can you pause Morrell. the draft and, and restart the clock, um, please? I'm sorry. Maybe it's... Uh, Might be J.D. Martinez. It was obviously J.D. Martinez. It was on a, his 162-game pace last year was 46 home runs. And he doesn't have a team yet, so he's another one sliding because of that. Also sliding from his uh, DH only status. I had my DH spot open, and I was I was just crossing my fingers people would continue to overlook him because I you know I felt the catcher need was more urgent. Um, I felt the corner infield need was more urgent, but just from a pure statistic at a pure statistical level, JD Martinez would have been the preference there for sure. There were I think five awesome picks in a row just now before Frank, who took Aaron Savali and ended the run. Yeah. Oh, come on. I, I had Savali high in my queue for a while. No, uh, no but uh, Jake Holland took Jung Hu Lee, who I think sounds like he's going to bat leadoff, play center field every day for the Giants. I think he could be a very, very good source of batting average and runs at the top of that lineup. Then Colt Keith, who I'm surprised there's not more hype around. He's going to be on the opening day roster. He's just, a a highly ranked prospect who performed well at the highest levels of the minors doesn't really have that a ton of red flags. Just such a killer. Tough park it's and he doesn't run. So and he the, doesn't the, he doesn't produce particularly high end exit velocities either for his production as productive as he was in the minors. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's a bad combination. Sure. At but that part. You're still talking 216 for a very talented young player. It's Albert Alzale, yeah. I think just phenomenal value at 217. Jose Alvarado right after him. Great value as well. Uh, I thought that was a, a very good run of picks. Yeah, it, it really was. And obviously crushed me because I did want a second closer there. I took Aaron Savali. Why as- didn't you take LeClerc? Why, why is everybody so afraid of Jose LeClerc? I don't get it. Well, there is competition there. I mean, David mm-hmm. Robertson... Has closing experience. I, you Bruce know, it's Bochy funny. Has... This, is, this, is, this is an aggregation gripe because in the same article, the aggregators were citing where, where um, Bruce Bochy was saying there's a bit of a closer competition. Within that same write-up from the Rangers beat writer, uh, what was the exact sentence for LeClerc? Uh, I don't have the exact sentence written down, but it was it, within that same story, it said LeClerc will likely close a lot of games this year. So I... But is that I, is that just a beat writer writing that, like speculatively? Well, the whole thing or? was a beat writer writing it. And and just the aggregators picked one part to focus but on. But there were quotes the, from Bruce Bochy where he, he would not name a closer. I mean, he said that he wants one to emerge, but those but were he, actual quotes. And it, But he... Yeah, he said there will be one. I, I mean, it's... What are the... What, it's 80-20? It's probably going to be LeClerc? I mean, there's a chance it's not, but it's not, it's not like it's not like David Robertson is, you know, Josh Hader. It's no, David no, Robertson. He, he is not. But th- I think they gave him a, a decent amount of money for a one-year deal mm-hmm. too. So it's it's not like he's getting paid nothing. He they gave him well one year five million. It's not great. Uh, <laughs> it's less than I thought. Actually, <laughs> no, one year eleven point five million. That would change things. 11 million. That kind of sounds like a guy who could be a closer. So it's actually a two year deal. 10 million this year with a $1.5 million buyout for next year and a $7 million mutual option. So it's one year at least 11.5 million. Okay. Well, also that dude has made that's money, man. (laughs) If that mutual option gets picked up, David Robertson will clear a hundred million dollars for his career. Shout out to David Robertson. Isn't that bonkers? That I don't is know. wild. Way to go, David Robertson. Maybe, his look, it very well could turn out to be Jose Leclerc. I would put the odds at, at a lot less than 80-20, personally. I, I mean, clearly, but I, I don't... I, I have yet to see a justification for that that makes sense to me. Actually, given how... Given the way Bruce Bochy himself handled Leclerc in the playoffs last year. Like, it was... He was his most trusted reliever, even with... 
Aroldis Chapman on the roster. And he came through. That he Obviously, did. They won the World Series. Will will he come through again this year? We uh, we shall see. After Jose Leclerc, Taylor Ward, Anthony Rizzo, J.P. Crawford, Robert Suarez, who, you know, Yuki Matsui is dealing with a back injury right now, so hopefully he's all right. Uh, and just when I say that, Yuki Matsui goes off the board. Uh, after Robert Suarez, there was Parker Meadows. Chris, just phenomenal pick. Trevor Story, pick 227. I mean, I am internally kicking myself for taking Andres Jimenez whenever I did because, I mean, if you told me I could get Trevor Story past 200, it's, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with well, it. I, I, I had I, him crossed out. I wonder, I thought he was gone already. That's funny. I, don't, I wonder why I did that. He is gone to Chris Towers. Maybe, maybe I meant to cross <laughs> off Thyro Estrada. I don't know. Yeah. Well, oh. He was drafted a long time ago. Yes, yeah, he was. That's why I crossed him off. After Trevor Story, Braxton Garrett at Nick, and Nick Lodolo at the... 1920 turn. Chris took Yusei Kikuchi, his boy, uh, followed by Yuki Matsui, Justin Turner, Shane Boz, Carlos Correa, Isak Paredes, and Scott. You were up. You let out a groan. I don't know which player that was for. Yeah, for them all. They all. <laughs> <laughs> Not for Kikuchi. Um, no, it was for. I just got sniped with Isak Paredes. You know, when I said I needed a corner infielder and there were only two options I liked left, I actually needed a first baseman still at this point. That's how oh. distracting this draft is. So I still need a corner infielder. And uh, Isak Paredes was the last one I would have felt satisfied having as my starter. I'm going to take a bat here because I still need two total. I need three total, actually. Uh, but I'm going to take the one that I think is the best left, Brandon Lau, for my utility spot. Yep, and that it means it's up to me. I need a corner. I need an outfielder. I need two relievers. There's none of those left, so might as well just wait. Uh, let's see. What does first base look like? Not the best. <laughs> uh, third base, not the best. Have you made all your picks? Have Did I? you get skipped somewhere? Me? I'm just, I'm just uh, razzing you. Ah, you. uh, you're crapping on my team, aren't you? I'm going to go ahead and take Ryan Malcastle. I think my team needs a little bit more pop. He obviously has great stat cast metrics, but unfortunately... Pray for a, a trade. Right-handed hitter in uh, Camden Yards, so probably going to be kind of capped at around 25 home runs, but I do think that's achievable. I agree, Chris. I, I think he would be a, a great trade. It would be hit. it would be the best case scenario for everyone, right? Like they got so many guys that were waiting for playing time. Yep. You know, Heston Kierstad needs playing time. Like, let's 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 get a Ryan Mountcastle to to I don't know Miami. The White Sox. Going. Oh yeah, White Sox would be great. <laughs> Why not? I was just trying to be selfish. Yeah, but that actually does make a lot of sense, Chris. So I need you to get on the phone with Peter Bendix and and make that happen. All right, let's do it. I mean, they did listen to me about Tim Anderson. I've got some. I've got some pull. You do have some organizational pull. After I took Ryan Mountcastle, Emmett Sheehan, who has been slowed because of general body soreness. I don't. I don't think it's anything too concerning. But based on Walker Bueller likely to start the year on the IL, if Sheehan is healthy and ready to go, I, I do think he's going to be in the Dodgers rotation to start the year. After he goes, Giancarlo Stanton. Sorry, Chris. I already got Buxton. I can't do both. <laughs> Why not? It'd be unfair to the rest of the league. Yeah, you don't want to dominate everybody. Well, there goes another closer. Alex Lang, or at least we think. I saw he got rocked today. Not that it matters. It's spring, but... He he will be the closer at the start of the year, unless he turns up hurt or something. Now, whether he'll stay the closer, I think is very much... In question, which is why I rank him behind uh, Jose Leclerc, Yuki Matsui, Mason Miller, you know, mm -hmm. guys who are less certain of being the closer. And there are other names in that bullpen, too. That That's what adds to the fire there with the Tigers is that Jason Foley has pitched well. I think Will Vest has some strikeout upside. I've talked about Shelby Miller at a, as a really deep speculative uh, closer this year as well. Um, when they signed him, they kind of talked about that he has the stuff to play up in the back end of the bullpen. So we'll see. I think there's a, a chance for some other names there in the Tigers bullpen. After Alex Lang, we're into round 21. Will Smith. That's a missed opportunity. Another one. I could have had both Will Smiths. That's fun. 
That, that would have been great. Uh, Brendan Donovan, Ooh. Jorge Polanco, and uh, I'm back up. I did see a name that kind of interests me. He's dealing with the uh, dealing with a shoulder thing right now, so I don't love that. But uh. I'm gonna take Robert Stevenson, who, if he's healthy. I think he's the best reliever in their bullpen. They just gave him a huge contract. Clearly. Three years, $33 Clearly. million. Dollars. And uh, Carlos Estevez, don't want to overreact. It's one spring outing. This fastball mm-hmm. velocity was down three miles per hour on Wednesday. For what it's worth, he had the same thing last spring. Okay. And I think he got crushed in the spring. Like, he had like a 12 ERA or something he last was spring. so bad yeah. last spring. And then he went out and had 31 saves. So... Yeah. This might not matter at all for Estevez. And they look, to their credit, even after signing Stevenson, they've said Estevez is the closer. So we'll see how long yeah. it lasts. But He will be the closer. Ron Washington was clear about that. And um, there were some reasons why he may have struggled. He wasn't entirely healthy in the second half. He, he made the all-star team, right? Did Carlos Estevez? He was pretty good in the first half but the history mm-hmm. with control I, I mean obviously his history much of it was in Colorado you give him a pass for that but the control history is not great and Robert Stevenson was arguably the most dominant reliever in all of baseball after joining the Rays last year so um, I do think between the two Stevenson's the one to target in the long run he'll have more staves, saves than Estevez but it's not a certainty it's not a certainty no it is not but oh. At this point, there there are very few, uh, sure. if any, certainties. No, it's, it's a fine pick. I don't get me wrong. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying it. you can't you can't take it to the bank. That's all. After all my bad picks, I would hope I uh, get a few good ones in there. Ah, and there you go, Chris. You went ahead and took Estevez. Yeah, why not? Okay. Maybe I would have taken him and just had both on my team, but it's all right. That's fine. It's that okay. is my favorite reasoning. Why not? <laughs> After Robert Stevenson, Scott took Sal Freelich who's been uh, getting some games in at third base. That's kind of interesting. Christopher Sanchez, Jonathan India, Alex Kirloff, Ryan McMahon, Austin Wells, Chris took Carlos Estevez, and then at the turn, Brandon Drury and Dalton Varsho. I think fine picks. Uh, Drury has middle, middle and corner. He's probably one of the safer bets left to give you 25-ish home runs. Um, and Dalton Varsho, a little power and speed, but... Going to come with a low batting average. And Chris, you took Max Kepler, who I know you wrote up in Sleepers 1.0. Stackass data was awesome last year. He mm-hmm. kind of looks like he figured something out. And Yeah, traded some yeah. contact for power. He was always someone who pulled the ball in the air a ton and made up for middling quality of contact metrics by maximizing his launch angle and, and pull angle and all that. Last year, he was still doing all that, but he also had by far the best quality of contact metrics of his career, even more than that. He had like a 34 homer season back in 2018 or 2019. Um, but it was, yeah, the, the quality of contact metrics were by far the best of his career. And I, for the most part, buy it, especially when it's, you know, my, my second to last pick for a guy that I think legitimately does have 30 homer upside of Max Kepler. After Kepler, Griffin Canning, who... I've come around a little bit as well. I, I, I think some sneaky strikeout upside with him. Tyler Stevenson, Chris Paddock, Gary Sanchez, Lucas Giolito, and Scott, your second-to-last pick. Who is it going to be? Well, I, I want to comment on that Lucas Giolito getting a 200-strikeout guy this late. I mean, I understand the downside risk. We all do. But uh, they've worked to fix this slider. Um they thought it, it he needed to throw it harder, and he's been doing that this spring. That that may be a fix. I mean, he was able to get strikeouts even without that fix. I, I don't think he's a total lost cause, is Lucas Giolito. But I'm going to take a man who's replacing him in the White Sox rotation, somebody I try to get every draft, Eric Fetty, mm. to round out my pitching staff. Uh, I, I did want to comment a little on my last pick, though, the previous one, Sal Freelich, because I don't think it's something we've talked about much. You mentioned Frankie's getting some action at third base this spring. Also, second base is on the slate for him. And the Brewers don't have a starter at either of those positions. And they could fill out an outfield without Sal Freelich. I, I think 
I think it's possible he winds up being the starter on the in, a starter on the infield for the Brewers rather than in the outfield. Or more realistically, he'd be a super utility player who played every day bouncing between the infield and the outfield, sort of like Spencer Steer last year. So that's some handy versatility. In addition to potentially being a, a batting average and steals specialist late is Sal Freelick. Um, I'm, I'm thinking he's a pretty good sleeper. Yeah, I like that call a lot on Sal Freelick as well. I think what happens next for the Brewers is if he starts somewhere on the infield, or even if he just bounces around, it's probably bad news for Joey Ortiz and or Tyler Black, right, Scott? I'm going to guess Tyler Black begins the year in the minors. Uh, Before they acquired Ortiz, there was some talk about how they wanted him to win a job. But then since then, we have this news about Freelick moving to the infield, at least part-time, and they acquired Ortiz. My guess is Ortiz plays most days. Bryce Terang maybe is on the roster as a reserve, maybe not, and, and Tyler Black in the minors. Um, but Sal Freelick and Joseph Ortiz, Joseph, that's how he's listed in our database. <laughs> Joey Ortiz, those two would would occupy an infield spot for the Brewers more days than not. If I had to project that here on February 29th, that's what I'd do. Whenever I hear somebody call somebody named Joe or Joey by the name Joseph, it sounds like they're in trouble. Joseph, get over Joseph. here. What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> After uh, Scott took Eric Fetty, I took Kyle Finnegan, yuck, as my third closer, Jason Dominguez, Andrew Abbott, Mackenzie Gore, and here we are, the final round, but let's take a quick break and we'll talk about it right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Welcome back in the final round of our 12-team Roto Mock. And here we are. Alejandro Kirk, Ryan Jeffers, and Garrett Mitchell, the first three picks of round 23. To your point, Scott, about Sal Freelich, if he plays in the infield, that opens up more time for Garrett Mitchell, who a lot of people had as a sleeper this time last year. Yep. Very sneaky uh, speed upside there, so I do and, I do and, like and Joey Weimer. Joey Weimer yeah. struggled as a rookie, but I think there's power speed upside there still. Yeah. So you can understand why the Brewers would do it if Sal Freelich proves capable of handling it. And I am going to round up my team. I need a fifth outfielder. This is someone I've talked about who I think has a little power and speed, uh, like a 15-15 projection is what I would expect. Leody Tavares with the Texas Rangers. Uh, he is a great defender, so I don't worry about the playing time. I think they want that defense in center field. Obviously, they're trying to figure out how to get Wyatt Langford in there as well. But assuming Leody Tavares doesn't just fall flat on his face, and he stays on the team, I think he can go 15-15 with a, you know, not harmful batting average, somewhere in the 250 to 260 range. Scott, you were up with your last pick? So I kind of screwed up corner infield because I forgot I hadn't filled first base yet, but that gives me an opportunity to do something I want, I always want to do and never have an opportunity to do just because the spot's always filled. I'm going to take Michael Bush here, <gasps> who I've loved for years, yeah, ever since one. the Dodgers drafted him. And he's already he goes, penciled. He goes so late. 
He nobody wants him. It's cra- yeah. I, I feel like he had more interest last year 100%. when he probably wasn't going to make the Dodgers opening day roster than this year when he's probably in the Cubs opening day lineup. So it's uh I yeah, I in theory I'd like to draft Michael Bush everywhere. It rarely look works out for me to take him though. Yeah, I did a deep sleepers for every team for tomorrow's FBT newsletter. So that's Thursday morning and he qualifies. I, I did the ADP outside of the top 350, but he's like 400 right now. He, he's mm-hmm. basically not being drafted in most leagues. Yeah. After Michael Bush, Jose Abreu, who's another one. I mean, the last round of the draft, I know he was a disappointment last year, but if he's betting fifth for the Astros, still going to be lots of RBI opportunity there for him. After that, Shay Langoliers, Brian Abreu, Reese Olsen, DL Hall, and Chris, you just took your second catcher. Yes. And Scott, I don't know if this guy made your post-type sleepers column that you wrote last week or two weeks ago, but he did I, I feel like we're, we're writing off Tyler Soderstrom a little too early. He was a, a much ballyhooed prospect this time a year ago. He is one of those catchers who will likely play a lot at DH or possibly first base. I he is becoming if I'm waiting on that second catcher, he's kind of becoming my my go to there. And the last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, not so irrelevant, not so irrelevant at all. Mr. Irrelevant. This is a great pick. And I think we all just kind of slept on it here. And, And Jackson Merrill, who, as the days go by, looks increasingly likely to be on the Padres opening day roster. Still lots of spring left, but so far, so good. And it would be as an outfielder. So he'd pick up eligibility at that deep position to go along with his natural shortstop eligibility, mm-hmm. which is great. I I moved him up in the rankings quite a bit. I don't know why he didn't cross my radar. Uh, I guess Jeremy Payne. No, I have him ahead of Jeremy Payne. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I feel, like, I feel like Jackson Merrill should not have been Mr. Irrelevant. So... Uh, good pick there by R.J. White to end the draft. Yeah, should not be going that much later than the other Jackson. I mean, Jackson Holiday should be going ahead of him, but we're talking about a what it ended up being a 150 pick difference between the two of them. Should be more like a 50 pick yeah. difference, mm-hmm. I would say. All right, let's quickly just run through our teams, give a quick thought on them, and we'll go in uh, reverse order of the way we drafted. So we will start with Chris's team, who... Uh, Obviously went with the pocket aces to start the draft with Garrett Cole and Spencer Strider. But let's quickly talk about your offense here, Chris. William Contreras and Tyler Soderstrom, a catcher. You've got Yandy Diaz, Bryson Stott, Gunnar Henderson, Bo Bichette, Trevor Story, and Cabrian Hayes in your infield. Christian Yelich, Max Kepler, Kyle Schwarber, Brian Reynolds, Jaron Duran in the outfield, and Byron Buxton is your Mm -hmm. utility bat. Um do you want to talk about your offense or read off the pitchers too? And then we'll talk about everything. Well, I mean, we, you already mentioned that I paid up for Spencer Strider and Garrett Cole in the first two rounds. And while it's obviously probably not the best offense in the league, I think it came together. Okay. You know, I, I think I was able to balance the the five categories. If, if anything, I, I'm probably weakest at RBI and runs. Um, I thought it was just the opposite, actually. Okay, I, I thought there seemed to be a home run and stolen base shortage because you okay. skipped the first two rounds for hitters, but you actually did a good job of keeping pace with runs and RBI. I mean, Yandy Diaz, mm-hmm. not going to get you a ton of homers, but batting leadoff for the Rays should be good in runs and RBI. Um, Christian Yelich is kind of in the same boat there. Brian Reynolds kind of in the same boat. Uh, Bo Bichette kind of in the same boat. So I... I, I think I think you did a good job targeting players who are going to be safe sources in those counting stats, mm-hmm. but you just couldn't make up for the home run and stolen base upside that you missed yep. out on early. Which isn't to say, you know, you, you're going to be last in home runs and yeah. stolen bases. I, I mean, the, for stolen bases, the Trevor Story pick, the discount you got there, uh, yeah. Could be real nice. I think I'm in better shape in stolen bases than I am in home runs, probably. I'm yeah. probably closer yeah. to middle of the pack in stolen bases. In terms of projections, I'm probably a little further behind on home runs. And so I do need like my optimism around Byron Buxton and Max Kepler to come to fruition and our shared optimism around Key Brian Hayes. Like that, that, you know, to, 
Yandy Diaz avoiding uh, a step back in power. Tyler Soderstrom emerging as a 20 homer guy, which, you know, he's done pretty much every year in the minors, but obviously last year in the majors was very, very poor. So I, I, I had to take some swings, but I think overall I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way it came out in that. I obviously didn't make an ideal investment at the hitting positions early. Let's talk about the pitching staff. You started your team with Spencer Schreider and Garrett Cole. You got Justin Verlander as your third starting pitcher, followed by Shota Imanaga. You got Nestor Cortez, Yusei Kikuchi. And then your closers, you've got Camilo Duvall, Kenley Jansen, and Carlos Estevez. So, uh, obviously, you got the two anchors. You waited a little mm-hmm. bit, but then, you know, still wound up with some some upside guys, too. Imanaga and, and Nestor Cortez later on. I, I, I think the pitching staff is great. Yeah, I feel very, very good about the ratios. I think the counting stats are a little bit of a question, but obviously 500 strikeouts between Garrett Cole and Spencer Strider will go a long way to paper over any uh, flaws there. And and I, I think, obviously, given the sacrifices I had to make at hitter, I can't say that going Strider-Cole was the ideal strategy from the number 11 spot, but it's doable. You, you can definitely make it work. And honestly, it, it might have worked even better if I had just gone for more of the boring, maybe not great ratios types, but with, you know, decent projectable volume guys. I, I do wonder if I would feel better about it if I had, I don't know, Jose Barrios probably went around Shota Imanaga. Would I feel better if I had that? Maybe. But. Oh no! I think it it was a, a valiant and viable experiment. I wouldn't hate playing this team out, honestly. All right, let's slide over to Scott's team. He was drafting fifth overall in this one, and we'll start with the hitters. And at catcher, Jonah Heim and Cal Raleigh in the infield. Alec Bohm, Jose Altuve, Jake Berger, Francisco Lindor, Dansby Swanson, and Michael Bush in the outfield. Cody Bellinger, Josh Lowe. Corbin Carroll, Jackson Chorio, and Sal Freelich, Brandon Lau at Utility, and then your pitchers, Scott, you took Tarek Skubal, I believe it was in the fourth round, as your SP1, and then you loaded up on a bunch of strikeout upside. You got Blake Snell, Chris Sale, Carlos Rodon, uh, Jose Barrios as a stabilizer. You got Eric Fetty, your boy, the wandering eye, and your closers, Paul Sewald, Craig Kimbrell, and Jose Leclerc. Yeah, uh, I like it. I think I I wish my court. I w- you know having Alec Bohm at first base and Michael Bush at corner infield. I think you look at my starting lineup and it's like okay, well you could have done better there. But I I feel like I'm so strong everywhere else, and it's not like look Bohm's gonna Bohm's a must star player in this format. I like Bush's upside. It may not work out, but it may work out. Uh, I certainly have enough speed. I pretty confident I have enough power because about the only guy who isn't uh, projected for 20 to 25 home runs at least 20, 20, at least 25 home runs in my mind the only one who's not going to give me that is Sal Freelick so yeah I, I think I think I have plenty of hitting and the pitching there are some injury risks there but I shouldn't I shouldn't struggle to keep up and strike even if even if that top four misses some starts Scoobal, uh, Scoobal, Snell, Sale, and Rodon. There's a bunch of S's there. Even if they miss some starts, I'll be very high in strikeouts, I feel confident saying. And so whether I compete in ERA and especially WHIP, I think WHIP is a little more worrisome than ERA. Depends on, you know, if they're as effective as we think they can be. And I don't necessarily need all of them to be as effective. as There can be a bust among that group of four. But... Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a high upside staff, and that's what I'm looking for in in this globby world we're living in is to give myself a chance of excelling in the most predictable category strikeouts. Um, and if you do that, you're probably going to have a good amount of upside in ERA and WHIP too. And I got plenty of saves there. But three closers in my mind: Leclerc. Okay, you could argue whether he's a closer, but he's the third one. So, yeah, I I, I like how this team came out. 
Usually we save the best for last, but let's take a look at this train wreck that I put together. And the catchers, Will Smith and Luis Campusano in the infield, Josh Naylor, Ozzy Albies, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Andres Jimenez, and Ryan Mountcastle in the outfield, Michael, uh, Michael Mookie Betts, that would be his name, Tyler O'Neill, Ian Happ, Leody Tavares, Randy Arozarena, and Nolan Gorman as my utility bat. And then on the pitch pitching side, I've got Framber Valdez as my SP1. I took him in round five. So I started this draft with four hitters. Then I took Lazardo as my SP2. I've got uh, Zach Eflin, Bailey Ober, uh, Aaron Savali, Nick Pavetta, and you know, the closers need some work. There's no doubt about that. Ryan Helsley, Robert Stevenson, and Kyle Finnegan. I, I mean, actually, look, if you have to have a weakness, yeah, <laughs> um, closer's the one to do it. I think the offense actually came together pretty well. I don't know. I'm looking at it now. Obviously, it's kind of hard to track everything while it's going on, but I don't really see a particularly weak player at any of the starting spots. Um, maybe I'm a little light on speed. Yeah, maybe. There's it's it's you have like five guys or four guys who could give you between 15 to 20 steals. And if they fall short of that, if a couple of them fall short of that, you might be in some trouble. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like Ozzy Albies and Randy Rosarena. Yeah. Uh, Jimenez is good. Jimenez, Jimenez might give you 50 the way he performed in the second half. So that would help a lot if he exceeds expectations mm -hmm. by that much. He's capable, That's Andres yeah. Jimenez, by the way. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I kind of like the way that it worked together. Um, obviously, it started the, the draft with four bats, so I would hope the offense looks pretty good. Maybe should have uh, prioritized speed a little bit more. I, I know C.J. Abrams lasted a little bit longer, so should have been paying attention to someone like him. Uh, the pitching staff, this is typically what I target. Three starting pitchers in, the, in my top 30 rankings. Then I wait a little bit, and then I jump back in, and, and I think I did a, a fine job with that. Again, the closers... Um, some work needs to be done, but eh, I kind of like the way that it turned out. Let us know. What do you think? In the YouTube comments, uh, drop a comment. Let us know who you think dominated the draft. Frank, you are projected to win. Is that true? I, I just did the math. You are projected to win. Are, are you wow. messing with me? or No, I'm not at all. Oh, did we get? Oh, we just got a draft recap. My draft grade was a D. <laughs> you are projected to dominate the hitting stats, though. <laughs> there, there's some conflicting information. You are projected to finish fourth or better in every hitting category. Okay. And that carries you most of the way. How did you do that math? I got uh -huh. Excel, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Chris. I what appreciate What projections it. were you using? Uh... Yes, projections. All right, yeah. so that's... Uh, that's the easiest one to go with. Yeah, let's do yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Um, CBS... I'm surprised you didn't, because I think the Byron Buxton projection is 39 homers. That's, we, that, that one's going to have to be scaled down a bit. That one boosted me up. That is a <laughs> lot of home runs. All right, thanks for everyone that's sticking with us here. Still over 300 people watching us. Like this video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. And we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.